Thank you, Carol. I remember when I was the age of her son, I asked to sing one time in front of a group about a fourth of the size of this congregation. And then when I got up here, I was such a shy little kid, I began to regret my request. And I sang weekly. And in the halfway through the song, I decided it's time for me to exit. And so I started leaving and going down the aisle singing the rest of the song. But I was glad to sit down. Let's have a word of prayer, shall we? It's good to sing about peace on earth. It's even better when we can enter into your holy sanctuary and experience you. I'm of unclean lips. And I pray for the hot coals from the altars of heaven to touch my lips so that the words that come forth will be the words of heaven. Speak to us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's take a look at a prayer made by the Apostle Paul. It's found in Ephesians chapter 3. If you would take your Bible and turn there, Ephesians chapter 3. Paul is praying for God's people in the church of Ephesus. Ephesians chapter 3. We want to begin with verse 14. Ephesians 3, beginning with verse 14. It was always Paul's custom, even in the writing of his letters, to write out the prayers that he had for the particular churches he was writing to. And it gives us an insight. Ephesians 3, beginning with verse 14. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Basically what Paul is saying, that to experience the fullness of God, we must understand the love of God. We often want to hear sermons or read books about God's love because a lot of times these sermons and books gives us little warm, fuzzy feelings inside. We like fuzzy feelings. Makes us feel good. And so Paul is talking about experiencing this, this love of Christ so that we might see the fullness of God 
But you know, the very first verse that I left out, verse 13, paints a little different picture. If you go back to it, Ephesians 3, verse 13, it says, Therefore I ask that you do not lose heart at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. Paul was saying that some of the people in the Ephesus church were beginning to lose their connection with God because of hearing about the tribulations that Paul was going through. And that's why he was praying the prayer to experience the fullness of God because the the fullness of God and the love of God can be actually seen sometimes in tribulations. That doesn't make sense, does it? We think that if they were going through rough times, if we're going through any type of tribulation, then it must be that God doesn't love us anymore. In order to understand, well, let's look at Webster's Dictionary's definition of tribulation. I thought it was kind of interesting when I looked it up. Webster says that tribulation is severe affliction. Not just problems, but severe affliction that can, pro, that can cause prolonged suffering, especially mental anguish. It's those things that happen to us that we just can't get our minds off of. It brings on mental turmoil. So the natural question to ask is, how could prolonged mental and physical agony experienced by a Christian reveal to us God's love? Well, maybe to answer that question, we need to understand the sources of many tribulations that happens to people. I'm sure that you would agree with me that Satan loves to bring on many difficulties within our lives. For example, if you would go to the book of Job, in the Old Testament, Job chapter 1, I know we had a Sabbath school quarterly not too long ago on the book of Job, so you should be familiar in Job chapter 1, beginning with verse 9. Job chapter 1, beginning with verse 9. This is taking place in front of the throne of God. So Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for nothing? Verse 10, Have you not made a hedge around him, around his household, and around all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. But now, stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not lay a hand on his person. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. We know the story. 
Job soon lost his servants, all his livestock, which was his livelihood, and then he lost all of his children. All those events, especially the losing of his children, were brought on because of the devil. And I'm sure that Job also, we know he suffered the physical pain when he developed boils all over his body. And so he was hurting physically. He was hurting mentally. It is very painful. But in the midst of his great suffering, look at what Job says. Job 13. Job 13 and verse 15. Job 13 and verse 15. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Do you know that trust and love go hand in hand? If I truly love someone, I must also trust them. And if I trust someone, there needs to be a relationship with them, a love relationship. So in the midst of all these problems and all this physical pain and all this mental anguish, the sorrow that is surrounding him, all of it that's being dished out by the devil, Job is saying, even though, Lord, if you, if you let me die, I still trust you. I still love you. Job has more to say. Look at Job 42. Job 42, verses 5 and 6. Job is speaking to God. Verses 5 and 6. I have heard of you by hearing of the ear. But now my eye sees you. Therefore, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. And so it was after that that the Lord had spoken these words to Job. Do you know what Job is saying? He says, you know, I've heard about you. We can say in our lives, I've heard about God. I've read about God. But Job is saying in, in the midst of all this tribulation that I'm going through, this mental anguish that is plaguing my mind, even though I say that I trust you, what I'm really saying is, now I really see you. I can understand more about you. I've grown in my relationship with you. It's even better and stronger now than it ever was before all these things happened to me. So in the midst of the attacks of Satan, we can see God whom the Bible says is love. Do you know why Satan attacks us? I thought it was interesting. I was reading in the book, The Upward, the Upward Look, page 370. 
page 370. Ellen White says, every step that we advance, that means every step that we come closer and closer in our relationship with God, we see obstacles that Satan presents and we have to wrestle with difficulties. When I have a relationship with God, when I'm establishing this relationship with God, I can count on the fact that the devil's going to pour out obstacles to cause me mental anguish. Here's what it says in Review and Herald, April the 8th, 1890. Satan will seek to discourage the followers of Christ so that they may not pray or study the Scriptures. Satan is trying to distract us by causing these events that take place so that we focus more on the pain and the problems and it stops us from the real strength that comes from praying and seeking God's holy word. But if we're willing to open our eyes even in the middle of Satan's obstacles, it is possible to see and experience God's love and advance a little bit closer towards him. The second cause of a lot of our tribulations are brought on by our own mistakes. We can't blame the devil for these things. Do you remember the biblical story about the twins Jacob and Esau? Jacob, along with his mother, tricked his father into believing that he was the older brother Esau and that he received the sacred blessing that was meant for the firstborn. Take a look what that trickery, that deception, what it did to the relationship between the two brothers. Go to Genesis chapter 27. Genesis 27 and verse 41. Genesis 27 and verse 41. It simply says, Esau, the one who was tricked, hated Jacob because of the blessing which his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, the days of mourning for my father at hand, then I will kill my brother Jacob. A broken family relationship. Jacob's deceitfulness caused great hatred in his brother's heart. It also ruined the relationship with the rest of the family. The boy's mother had to tell her favorite son, Jacob, to leave home in order to protect his life. So now Jacob is leaving homeless without a family because of his own making and that of his mother. But while he's wandering out there, while he's, he's saying, why is this happening to me? Why have I lost my home? I've lost everything. 
in the midst of his misery that was brought on by his own selfishness, Jacob saw and experienced God and discovered that this God would be with him and eventually mend his broken family. Look at Genesis chapter 28, beginning with verse 11. So he, that's Jacob, came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place and put it at his head. And he lay down in that place to sleep. Then he dreamed and beheld a ladder was set up on the earth and its top reached to heaven. And there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie I will give to you and your descendants. Also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. And in you... And in your seed all the family of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. And Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. In the midst of the misery that Jacob brought on by himself, he discovered the love of God. He discovered the promises that God would fulfill within his life. Sometimes we have to come to a point to admit that we cause our own problems and mental anguish. Oh, We love to blame it on someone else. We'd love to say, well, it's my spouse's fault, it's my children's fault, it's my pastor's fault, it's the church's fault, it's the conference's fault. But many a times, if we really look at it, it's our own fault. And we can choose to pout and complain. Or we can stop and look and listen and discover a loving God and begin to cling to His promises in the midst of our tribulations. Tribulation can come by Satan. Tribulation can come by our own selfishness. And believe it or not, sometimes the trials and tribulations are brought directly by God. Oh, wait a minute. That can't be. Do you remember when God spoke through Moses and he said he was going to lead the people to the promised land to take them out of slavery in Egypt? They had just experienced the ten plagues of Egypt and finally Pharaoh gave them permission to leave his country at once and they left. Turn to Exodus chapter 13. Exodus 13 and verse 21. 
Exodus 13 and verse 21. And it says, And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, so as to go by day and night. Who was leading these people? God was leading them. They were following Him. Okay? They saw the evidence that they were being led by God Himself because He made Himself known as being there when they saw the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire. You would think everything is going great, right? Now watch this. Exodus 14, beginning with verse 1. Now the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel that they turn and camp before Pihirath, between Migdal and the sea, opposite Baal, Zephon. You shall camp before it by the sea. For the Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, They are bewildered by the land, and the wilderness has closed them in. God is purposely leading his people to the edge of the Red Sea. Mountains on the sides, the sea in front of them, and guess who's coming up? Pharaoh and his army. And the Pharaoh is saying they're trapped. Now who led them into that position? Could God have led them someplace else? Could God have destroyed the armies of of Egypt right away and there would not have been a confrontation at all? Of course He could. But He led them to this situation that seemed like it was impossible to escape. And can you imagine the people? They're following God and they get to this point and they see the cloud of dust coming as the army is getting closer and closer Can you imagine the mental anguish that's going through their mind? Why am I here? Why did God lead me to this place? Look at Exodus 14, beginning with verse 10. And the Pharaoh drew near. The children of Israel lifted their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were very afraid, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you so dealt with us to bring us up out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt, saying, Let us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. Do you see the mental anguish? Why did we ever listen to you? Why did we ever follow this cloud and this fire? We'd have been better off back there. God led them to this place. And it was causing them great fear and mental anguish. And they were worried that they were going to die. 
How could God do such a thing? And why did he lead them to a point in life where it brings on more mental anguish? Patriarchs and Prophets, page 290. Listen to this. God in his providence brought the Hebrews into the mountain fastnesses before the sea. He led them there. That he might manifest his power in their deliverance and signaling humble the pride of their oppressors, that's the Egyptian army, he might save them in any other way, but he chose this method in order to test their faith and strengthen their trust in him. Remember I said trust and love go hand in hand. He brought them to this point that brought mental anguish so that when he delivers them, it would bring to them, help their faith, and it was a test their faith and to test their trust in him, test the love of him. I like what it says also on page 282 of Patriarchs and Prophets. In leading them by the way of the Red Sea, the Lord revealed himself as a God of compassion as well as of judgment. His leading was to reveal to them his love. Satan attacks us. Sometimes we set ourselves up for tribulations because of our own decisions, and sometimes a God allows problems to take place that brings on great mental anguish. Regardless of the source, if you're willing to look, you can discover the love of God in the midst of all the pain. It's there. The half-brother of Jesus, his name is James, gives us some good advice. If you would turn to James chapter 1. James chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. James chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. My brethren... Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. It's hard to find joy in the midst of our trials, but if I'm willing to open my eyes and to look, I can begin to discover the love of God. And in that, it produces in me, not only increases my faith, but it helps me to be more patient. With that in mind, turn to Revelation 14 now. In the last days, Revelation 14 and verse 12. A description of God's people living in the last days, just before Jesus comes. Revelation 14, verse 12. Here is the what? The patience. The same thing that 
that James said would develop in our trials. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. When I, in my problems, begin to discover the love of Christ, it increases my love, it increases my faith, it increases my patience, and I am the one that's going to be able to stand at the end of time. We know that at the end of time, we're going to go through what Jesus says is a time of trouble or tribulation that this world has never, ever witnessed before in all of its history. We know that. The devil is going to be allowed to cut loose with all of his forces like he's never been able to do before because God has always restricted him to a point. So what God is doing now in our problems that we have, whether it's economic problems, work problems, marital problems, problems with our children, whether the devil brings it on, whether I bring it on, or whether God is leading me into these situations, He's doing it to help prepare me for this time. For He knows that if we can see His love in our trials and our tribulations of the present time right now, if we can open our eyes and see these things, our love, our faith, our patience will increase in Jesus. And we'll be able to stand this great time of trouble. The ninth volume of the Testimonies, page 286. We shall know that infinite love ordered the experiences that seemed most trying. As we realize the tender care of Him, that's God, who makes all things work together for our good, we shall rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. The very obstacles and difficulties that we're experiencing in life today are for the purpose of making us mighty in faith and to teach us how to rely upon God to see us through to the end. Jean and I had been married only four months. Newlyweds. You know, the extended honeymoon. The time of great happiness and joy. We had just gotten back from some conference meetings. We were dead tired. But we had been blessed by the spiritual message we had heard at these meetings. We hadn't even hardly gotten into the house with our luggage when the phone was ringing. It was the local police that wanted to speak to Jean. 
She got on the phone, and very abruptly the policeman said, Your father is dead. He had committed suicide that very morning. He'd shot himself. Instantly, we were plunged from happiness to great sorrow. You can imagine the mental anguish. You can imagine the grief and the pain. But I'm here to tell you that in the midst of the sorrow and the anguish, our love for each other and our love for Christ became deeper. We knew that if If we can get through this terrible situation that we never would wish on anyone, it would be because of the love of Christ and the love for each other. Somehow God would give us through, if he can get us through this situation, he can get us through anything that we might experience in the future. And that year was a, a very testing year for us. It wasn't just the suicide of her father, but there were other deaths, other situations that happened. One right after the other just didn't seem to want to let up. Just one after another, after another, after another. If we were on our own strength, we would say, stop the world and let us get off. This is too much. But we knew because of our love for each other, which grew stronger, and our love for Christ and his promises, which grew stronger, and our faith in him, we could make it through. And we did. Any situation that you might be experiencing right now in your life, You can either focus all your time on the pain and want to escape and have a sermon with all the fuzzies that doesn't mean anything. Or you can open your eyes and to say somewhere in the midst of all this garbage is the revelation of the love of Jesus Christ. That's going to give me strength and ability. And will help me so that I can make it through the next obstacle that's thrown in front of me. It's there if you're only willing to search for it. It's divine love that's beyond explanation. But it's there. And all we have to do is reach out and grasp a hold of his hand. Let's focus on that divine now, that divine love, by turning in our hymnals to hymn number 191. Let's sing about this love. 191.
stand? of our tribulations open our eyes that we might see the glorious things that you have in store for us let our faith increase in you 
Let us be able to stand by faith through the great time of tribulation when Satan will pour out everything upon us. But we can stand trusting in you and your promises because of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.